Welcome to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now here's a message from one of the pastors here at the Rock. I've had this word in my heart just for a number of weeks, and it's um, how to make sure you have heaven's approval. How to make sure you have heaven's approval. And um, this is, this is a, a, it's a critical part of your walk with God. Because every single day we're making decisions, every single day, and especially in this pandemic, and especially in all the things that we're trying to accomplish, you know, with our lives, with our families, with, you know, our finances, with all the things that we do, that we have to, we have to take into consideration, God, I, I want your favor on this. I want your blessing. I want to know your will. And, um, you know, you have to um, be willing to come before God and, and seek His favor and seek what He wants. Now, you know, people look at our ministry um, and it's touching around the world, but they don't know that it was when I was about 17 years old and I'd first come from Africa to the United States and I was in Washington, D.C. and in, in just in Northern Virginia uh, working in D.C. And, um, you know, I, I made a decision in my heart, God, I want your will for my life, and I want to follow your plan. And I began to start seeking God, and I began to start putting my decisions before God. And I began to seek His will. I, well, God, I want, what do you want me to do? Um, when it came even to university, I, I really, you know, I prayed over every class. I would say, God, is this the class you want me to take this term? Is this, is, are these the professors? Is this the one? I began to lay things before God and, 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 and desire His will and seek His will. And, and that's, you know, really been uh, an outworking of that that's built our ministry. And we'll talk a little bit more about that now. But the first thing I want to just point out is discerning whether God is with you in something is just critical. Discerning whether God is with you in something. Um, there's a story in the Old Testament of Elijah, and Elijah um, had this encounter with the, the Baal prophets and on Mount Carmel. We've actually been there in Israel, and um, he killed the 400 Baal prophets, and, and then, you know, he prayed for rain, and it hadn't rained for years, and, and, and there's a cloud in the sky, and then massive rainstorm came. He outran a chariot, and he came to the palace and Jezebel was confronting him. And then Jezebel said, you know, I'm going to get you. You're going to be dead by tomorrow. And sort of fear gripped him. And, and Elijah ran for his life and he went into the wilderness. And then he went for 40 days and he ended up in Mount Sinai. Now he's very dejected. He, he feels like he's all alone in, this, in, in, in the work of the kingdom in, in Israel. And he is seeking God's word. He's seeking God to speak to him and to say something. And I'm just going to just read the scripture because it's 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11. Um, it says, God says to him, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. I mean, Hollywood would have a great time with the story, all right? Because, I mean, this is just like, you can imagine the special effects coming in here, all right? So first of all, there's this massive, mighty windstorm. It was such a blast. The rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. 
And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And God was in the whisper. Now, you have to understand that, you know, we often think when God's going to speak to us that it's going to be sort of razzmatazz, that, you know, an angel's going to come down and, you know, going to have some, you know, dream and, or some massive thing. But very often it's, it's a whisper. Sometimes it's something that's, that's almost imperceptible. Sometimes it's just something that God breathes into your heart. Sometimes it's just a, a simple word or a promise or a scripture or something. But we have to learn to discern it. We've got to learn to discover it, discern it, and learn to you know, ask God for it. Now, Elijah's asking God for this word. And why did God give all these other things? Because very often we get t- drawn away. We're thinking, oh my goodness, it's an earthquake or whatever. That must be God. You know, God's, you know, st- you know stirring the ground or the, you know, the wind or doesn't God come as a... We often look at what's going on and we make wrong conclusions. We have to discern, is God in that? Is God in the next thing? We have to discern what is of God, what's not of God. Now, um, so I'm just going to just lay that out is that discerning God's will is not always that easy. <laughs> it's not. And, and sometimes there's things that look like God, that, that sound like God, that, you know, we think is God. And we have to discern, is the voice of God in that? Because sometimes it's not in that. Now, um, I'm just going to put up this, and this is the one that's sort of the more difficult personal type of things. I'm going to share some things tonight. Um, is a picture of myself and my my oldest daughter, Christina, um, and and Christina is just you know um, is an amazing, amazing woman of God. And since she was a little 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 child, in fact, before she was born, she was dedicated by Reinhard Bonker. Before she was born, the Lord had, had spoken a prophetic word to Lisa and I that she would be an Esther. And, and then as she was going through high school and going into, into university, she was like, Dad, I, I'm, I, I feel like I'm called into law and into, into justice issues. And, and, and I said, Christina, it's just a very difficult road. And, 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 I, and, and so she began down that journey and she did all the education. She didn't do the school and she went to law school and she did an LLM went to a top law school in Washington, D.C. called Georgetown, and if you heard of it. And she, she, I mean, she passed, and God was with her, and God helped her, and how she was getting through these classes, the, the, the number of all-nighters, I mean, I just, I just don't even know. I would never have survived this, the, this type of study. And, um, and, and God was with her in everything as she was going along, and then she came back to California, and she faced the biggest giant of all. And the biggest giant was the California bar, which is anybody who's done law and knows anything about it knows that, um, you know, the last time she took it, there was a 26% pass rate. And it was, it, it, it's, it's, it's way harder than any other bar in the entire 50 you know, states. It just is by far, and anybody who does law knows that California is the, is the most difficult exam to pass. And so, you know, it was a massive battle that she went through and and she was seeking God's will, and I, and I, and I you know, she said, God, you know, she, she, she was facing this opposition, and she studied thousands of hours, and, and, and I said to Christina, I said, well, you know, if this doesn't work out, what's plan B? And she said, um, there is no plan B. I only have plan A. I only have plan A. And so we just, we just decided to just, just war with her. 
and, and go through it. And, and this bar was, was, uh, um, was, I think, so unreasonable that the law schools of California filed a lawsuit against the bar because they were training some of the top uh, people in the country and they were going to the California bar and they, you know, 26% pass rate. And this is the most, some of the brightest minds in the country. And, um, you know, and she, she twice um, passed the, the exam. W uh, she, she got a reread, which means you're just right at the border and they, they're going to see whether they're going to push you over. And in 2017, the, the, the Supreme Court of California ruled against the bar and said, you need to drop the score. You need to make it reasonable and compatible with the rest of the country. And they refused to do it. And then last year, they they bent. With all the stuff that happened last year, one of the good things that came out is they dropped it down to the score that the bar had told them, which meant my daughter had passed it twice. Then there was a huge, um, you know, uh, thing with the legislature saying, we need to make this retroactive for five years, which they passed last year. But they said, now you have to, now the people who qualify for that now have to do 300 hours under another lawyer. Now, this was happening now at the beginning of this year. And so, um, you know, we saw this coming that she'd have to find somebody to work to get under. She said, I don't know anybody. I, I'm, I don't know who to even reach out to. And, you know, at that point, um, my, Lisa and I were just one night speaking to a friend in Long Beach who's very prophetic. Now, sometimes God's going to bring a prophetic word from the most unusual people. And people who are in the prophetic very often are not, you know, they're, I don't want to say, uh, they're unusual. Okay, let's just give them that, all right? We'll be, let's, let's use good, nice term, terminology here. And, and this friend of ours is, is an amazing brother, and um, he works as a longshoreman. He's on the docks, and he's, you know, working out there in Long Beach and, and, and on the docks. And he, but he's very prophetic. He just called us up one night, and we were sitting, I put the speakerphone on like this, and he was just talking with him. And he said, oh, I've got a word for Christina. And I, and I said, well, what is it, Manning? And, and I'm writing it down because I try to write things down whenever God speaks. I try to catch what God's speaking. And he said these words. He said, March 4th, Christina will march forward. God has cleared her to march forward into her call. March 4th, God has cleared her to march forward into her call. And he, then he said, but the approval is going to come through March 3rd. So I called up Christine. I said, look, this word is either true or false. <laughs> I said, <laughs> we have an exact date here, all right? And um, we were up there visiting, and, and Lisa said, she said, well, I don't know who to put out. So, so Lisa said, just, just throw it out to local, local um, you know, law firms that are in your area. So she put out five resumes. Two of them contacted back. One man said, he said, I have a litigation firm, and he says, I will hire you sight unseen. He says, your resume is so good that I will, when can you start? And we'll pay you for the 300 hours. And, you know, we, the door just opened. I mean, she'd been putting resumes out for a year and a half without a result. And now when God spoke that, suddenly that door opened. Now, that had to be submitted to the bar as to whether they would accept it. On the 3rd of March, the bar approved it. On the 4th of March, her hours began to count, and just this month of August, she fully barred, and she can practice law in the state of California. Now, it was not without opposition, because even though she had a word from the Lord, 
she had to take that word. She had to fight with it because there was all kinds of other things that, that, that came up against her. And every lunch hour when she was working, she would go back and she would listen to that prophetic word and she would just speak it and she would get it into her heart. And she had to take what God spoke and she had to fight with it and she had to stand on it and she had to war with it until it broke through. So just because God, I, I want to say this with that, this whole story, just because you have opposition, just because something's difficult, just because it's um, seem, seemingly an imp, imp, impenetrable barrier, and, and, and just because you face opposition, and many times, you know, when, when I would just sort of say, is it, she, her biggest question was, am I, did I miss God? Did I, is the reason why I'm struggling, is it because I missed God? And you know, it's not necessarily that you miss God. It's sometimes there's just spiritual opposition. Sometimes there's demonic powers. Sometimes there is, there's a war going on that you don't see. And sometimes you just need to have, you know, a, a, a breakthrough moment where God speaks a word and, and brings forth what He has for your future. Amen? And that was the most precious thing in this thing is I say, Christina, you have a word from heaven God gave you a specific date. He gave you, a, 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 he gave you exactly the details. And at least you know now that you're in the center of His will as you step into this. Now, that point is so important. When you know from God that you're in the center of His will and that you're doing what He has called you to do, that's one of the greatest um, feelings and the most important things you'll ever encounter as a believer is to know you're in the center of God's will. You can be in the middle of Sarajevo or, or some war-torn country, but if you're in the center of God's will, that's the safest place you can be. Yes. Amen? Yes. Now, I'm just going to um, just go back now to um, the starting of our ministry. Um, many of you don't know that, and maybe some of you do, that I was the TV producer for Reinhardt. I'm not sure if we have a, the picture here. This is what I used to do. That was me at, about uh, 55 pounds ago. Um, and, and this was just filming these crusades, and I was, I was documenting what Reinhardt was doing. And I, was, I worked for Reinhardt for three and a half years in Germany. We lived next door to him. Lisa and I traveled with him. We had an amazing, amazing time. You know, one of the greatest evangelists in the world, filming the signs and wonders and miracles. And just, it was incredible. It's an amazing experience. And, and then, you know, Lisa and I did two 10-day fasts because I knew in my heart I was called to help the shepherds. I was called to help the people who have to take care of all those new converts that are being won to Christ. And so I came back and went to Fuller Seminary for two years. I didn't get a degree. I stopped 13 credit hours short because I wasn't there for a degree. I was there for knowledge. And it was during that time I worked for about 11 months for Reinhardt here in the U.S. And then during that time is when I called Pastor Jim. And I said, you know, I was calling cold pastors saying, support this work in Africa and Pastor Jim and I became friends on the phone as I called him cold, you know, working for Reinhardt's ministry. And so this was an amazing 11 months that I had. And then a word came from Germany from Reinhardt. And Reinhardt said, you need to go and do what God's called you to do. Now, I didn't have any financial support. I had no job. I had, I had Lisa and, and, and we had our, our oldest, Christina. And, I mean, I just was devastated. I had, didn't see it coming and I had, was working, doing meetings for him all over, the, all over the state of California. And I was just devastated when that word came. And so I came on a Friday. 
And we had booked to go up on a Sunday to go up to minister up in a little town called Corning. It was just south of, of, uh, of Reading. And then a little bit further north is a city called Red Bluff. Now, um, Corning, we preached at a storefront church, and I told Lisa before we went, I said, we're not saying a word to anybody about what we're going through. I said, we're going to represent Reinhardt, we're going to share his vision, and then we're just going to end this in a, in a godly good way. And so we drove up there 11 hours or whatever it was with a baby, and um, we get up there, and I ministered the, su the Sunday morning, and at the end of the service, the pastor's wife, sorry, the pastor's mother says, my, my church is up the road, and they want you to come and preach tonight. And so I said, okay, we drove 11 hours. You might as well preach another time. So we went there and we preached that night. But I didn't know that there was a lady there. Her name is Sister Confidence Claude. She's gone home to be with Jesus. She had been 55 years in Pentecost. And she was one of the true prophets, prophetesses of the Lord. I mean, and God had spoken to her that God would bring people to and you'll go to the next picture, which is this bend in the river. It's the Sacramento River. It goes up from the San Francisco Bay, goes up um, past Sacramento, and goes all the way up. Um, and this comes to this bend in the river. And she had a home that was right on the corner on this bend. And the salt water from the ocean goes all the way up. This is hundreds of miles inland. It goes all the way up to this bend in the river. And then the tide will turn at this bend in the river, and it goes back out again. And the Lord said, I will bring ministries to this bend in the river, and the tide will turn in their lives. So we know nothing about any of this. So we just come up. I preached a message on a Sunday night, and, and uh, at the end of the service, Sister Confidence Clothes, she calls Lisa and I forward, and then the Spirit of God comes on her, and she begins to prophesy, and she begins to speak. Now, I don't remember all the things she shared about our calling to Africa and many things that God did. But the one thing I do remember, the last few words that she said, the Lord said these words. The Lord said, I have not called you to stand in another man's shadow. I have given you a ministry in your own right. Now, if ever heaven threw me a lifeline, I was devastated. I didn't know how the future was going to go. I didn't know what I was going to do. And this one word, I, it was two parts. I, God said, I've not called you to stand in another man's shadow. That means I was not supposed to stay under Reinhardt's covering. And the Lord said, I've given you a ministry. On the basis of that one word from heaven, I knew that God had given us a ministry. And we started Good Shepherd Ministries, which is now touching 150 nations around the world. It's got 20,000 training schools, and we're literally discipling nations all over the planet. But it was based on a word from heaven, just one word. God doesn't have to speak a lot of words. He can just give you just a few, <laughs> all right? Just, just even a handful where he shows you something that he wants you to know. And our whole ministry was based on that word that God gave. He gave something to us. And I've learned that when God speaks, that it's precious. It's something you, you grab a hold of, you take a hold of, you, 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 you don't just let it go. And, oh, well, that's another nice and just put it to the side. You need to make sure you take a hold of it. Now, with that, I'm going to ask... Uh, my wife, Dr. Lisa, just to come up, as we were coming you know, from, the, from the back here, the Lord gave her a word. She moves in the prophetic, and, and, and she just had a word that she, um, um, you can just use this microphone here. Um, is there one there that you can use? All right, if we can do that. I know that, that God put a word in your heart tonight for us here tonight, and I just felt like it's appropriate even at this point for her to just to share what um, she felt God was saying to her.
that he wants to give us a life of leisure and prosperity and all that kind of stuff. But he says so many of us right now, we're standing on a precipice. We're afraid of the future. We don't know what it holds. We don't think we're going to be up to it. But if we say, I obey, Lord, he will give us everything that we need to survive and thrive in this time. Amen. And Lord, we just receive that. If you heed the call, Lord, we will give us it all, Lord. And I thank you for that. Thank you for that word for somebody here tonight and for all of us here tonight. Lord, that this word is a word in season. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I, I, I'm going to just sort of bring this personal because I have a very close relationship with Pastor Jim and it's his birthday tomorrow and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this. But, you know, after he transitioned the church in an amazing way, um, him and Debbie transitioned it to, to Pastors Dan and Jess, um, I just, you know, was, was sort of wondering what's Pastor Jim going to be doing? And Pastor Jim really had um, a passion to do something in, in, in entrepreneurial. And, uh, and so he started actually a company that does solar. Now, by God's grace, he was able to put solar panels and it's saving the church just tens of thousands of dollars a month. You imagine with, with prices of, of, uh, of, you know, electricity. And, and he, he went into a whole business and, and you know, and he did this church, and then he did um, Diego Mesa's Abundant Living Church, and, and I mean, he was just, you know, going with this, but when I would speak to Pastor Jim, Pastor Jim would say to me, he says, I, I just can't get the full release from heaven. I can't get the full approval from heaven, and even though it's blessed lots of people and everything else, and, and when he finally wrestled with God, and he said, I I, I know this can be successful. I know it can generate income. I know this, 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 and that. He said, but if I don't get heaven's approval, I can't continue. And at the end of the day, he took all the profits that, that had come in from, from, from doing these two major jobs as well as whatever else he had done, and he sold it back 100% into the church because he could not get heaven's approval on it. It wasn't what God was calling him to do in that season, in that hour. You can have a good idea. You can have even an idea that makes money. You can have an idea that's, that's wonderful and seems great. But you have to continually put it before heaven and say, God, I need your approval. Is this you? Is, are you in it? It can may seem like you know, an earthquake or a wind and fire. Or it can seem like whatever. But if it doesn't have the whisper of God's voice and it doesn't have God's, God's anointing and God's grace upon it, then it's just not worth pursuing. You just have to, you sometimes will have to just let it go and say, well, God, and, until I have that release from you that this is of you. Now, when God does give you a word, all right, now you may have to war with that word. You may have to fight with it. You may face every opposition you can ever imagine, just like my daughter had to do. But if you tenaciously will fight with it and you use the prophetic word, the Bible says you war a good warfare, and that's so important that you know God is in it. Amen? He has to approve it. Are you with me? Now, this is the sort of foundation. Now, um, not only discerning whether God's with you in something, that's one major point, but the second point is knowing that what you receive is coming from God. Um, now... <laughs> I'm going to put up another picture of my two, my two girls. Um, this is when we came off the mission field from Africa. And um, this is, Christina's on the left, and little Jessica's on the right, and that's Lisa there. 
And um, we, um, they were just adorable. I mean, my, when we came off the Mishville, there was, I think the one was like uh, four or five and, or six. I think one was six and the other one was, was three. And, um, and so we, 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 were, we settled back here in California. And, you know, we were missionaries. We just come off from two years in Nigeria. We were missionaries there. And we had traveled uh, down to southern Africa. And then we traveled across the country. We finally settled in California in Orange County. And one day my girls come up to me and they said, Daddy, Daddy, we want a rabbit. And I said, um, listen, girls, I said, you know, we're missionaries. We travel a lot. We do a lot of things. We, we can't have rabbits. We can't have pets. We, we need to just, you know, uh, and, and, and so I'm not approving a rabbit. Rabbit's off the table. It's not going to happen, all right? And, um, and so I go, and I'm going to, you know, pass their room that evening as they're, they're, they're doing their bedtime prayers with Lisa. They're, they're kneeling down next to the bed. And my, my little girls are praying this earnest prayer, and they're saying, Lord, we ask you for a bunny. And I'm like, I'm the head of the household. I, there's no bunnies coming into this house. There's no rabbit coming into this house. And so um, I just, I said, that's it, you know. And so, you know, three weeks go by, and then one of my employees is coming down the pathway, those little townhouses that we lived in, and there in the middle of the pathway is this beautiful, beautiful white rabbit. Just, it's just in the pathway. And so when I get home, they've got this rabbit, and they've already given it a name. I don't even remember what it was back then. And, and, and they've, they've, got, they've got one of my, my basins there, and they've got this thing's up. One of my favorite towels is underneath it, and it's getting fed. It's been lettuce and, and carrots and all kinds of things. And, and as I come in the, the room, my little girls come running up, and they said, Daddy, Daddy, the Lord has given us a rabbit. And I said, the Lord has not given you a rabbit. I said, this belongs to some other child. I said, they're probably crying their eyes out because you stole their rabbit. I said, there's no way this, well, this rabbit's not yours. I said, I said, we need to make up a, you know, a sign. And, and I said, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna photocopy it and we're going to put it all over the neighborhood. Some poor child has lost their rabbit and you've got it now in, in my house. And um, so my, my, Christina is a good artist and she drew this, this absolutely pitiful, just, just photograph of, a, of this rabbit with its long ears down like this. And it, 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 down below it said, have you lost a bunny? And there's our phone number. So she puts it up there. So I go there with a staple gun and I'm putting it up on every pole and every place around. There's no way that rabbit's coming into my house. I'm the head of the household, all right? Well, it, I was right. It was belonged to the girl four doors down, and, um, you know, she was a, was a teenage girl, and she, uh, it was her rabbit. Its name was Flopsy, and you know what, you know, and, and so we gave it back to her, and my girls were just really sad, and, um, and then I, I had a great brainwave. I said, look, we can just come and visit Flopsy, all right, and I can bring my girls over, and then, you know, um, after, you know, they've, 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 they can pet it, they can, she can look after it, she can clean its cage, she can do all that type of stuff, and then my girls can visit it when they need to have a the rabbit urge, and then, then you know, they can, they, can come, they, can, they can come back home again. And so about three days later, my girls, we want to go see Flopsy. So we go down and see Flopsy, pet Flopsy, and then we come back again. And then like 5 o'clock that evening, there's a knock on the door, and I open the door, and there's the teenage girl. She says, listen, I'm a teenager. I don't play with rabbits anymore. She said, do you think your girls would want my rabbit? 
Now, I'm saying no. They don't want you to have <laughs> but, but my girls heard in the back, and they came running from the living room, and they, and they, they, they pointed their finger at me. And they said, Daddy, Daddy, the Lord has given us a rabbit. Amen? Now, that rabbit was, the, was an incredible rabbit. I mean, it was the most fantastic rabbit. The reason we know is that another lady came and gave us another rabbit. Flopsy came from the Lord. This other rabbit came from the devil, all right? And, I mean, Velveteen was like, it was like, I mean, it bit my daughter on the lip. It, it, it scratched. You had to wear gloves to even touch it. You, I mean, it was... It was a nightmare. We took that rabbit and put it on the golf course and, and, and sent it off with his other friends. But all I can say is I know the difference of one that comes from the Lord and one that doesn't come from the Lord. But the first thing you can, can know just from what I'm sharing is that when God gives something, nobody can take it away. I couldn't even take this rabbit away. I mean, God gave this rabbit. I couldn't, I didn't do anything. I was powerless. I was the head of the household, but that's the end of it. God was head of the world, you know, whatever. And when God gives something, you don't have to try and manipulate to try and keep it. When it comes from heaven, it's a gift that comes from heaven. No one can take it away because God gave it. Are you with me? Amen. Now, with that as well, you have to understand that you've got to be very careful not to try and manipulate something in the flesh, all right? So, you can, tr you know, and, and I'm just going to give this example from the Old Testament where you have Abraham has a word that God's going to give him an inheritance through his offspring, all right? And he waits 13 years, and, and this, his wife is 90-something years old. And it doesn't look like there's any way she can get pregnant. And then, you know, she goes and takes Hagar and says, why don't you sleep with her? And you all know the story that Ishmael's born. And what Abraham did was try to fulfill the word of God in his own, his own strength. Because he figured God spoke it, so I know it's going to be an offspring. And now uh, my wife gave me this, you know, the servant girl to, 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 to sleep with. And, and, and so by trying to create something in the flesh he actually created a mess and very often we can try and make God's word happen in our lives so we can try and make things happen and and there's often a time where God will test you and he will test your patience and he'll test your endurance he'll test all of those things and you know he wants you to know that you got to wait for him to deliver it and him to bring it forth amen so we must be very careful that we don't try, you know, we don't want Velveteens. We don't want Ishmaels. We want Flopsies and we want to have Isaacs, okay? That's what we want to have in our future. And we must discern, you know, wh you know what's, what we get is, is, is it coming from God or if it's not coming from God. Um, and then I'm just going to touch on this. I'm not going to go into all the scriptures, but I'm just going to touch on this. You've got to be careful not to grasp at something, even when God has promised it to you, all right? And to me, a classic example is, is David in the Old Testament. When he was a little kid, the prophet Samuel came and anointed him with oil and said, 
you know what, you're the next king. And it, it's a phenomenal scene. It happened in 1 Samuel 16, 13. David is anointed the next king of Israel. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So as a little kid, he knows that God has called him to be king of Israel. Now there's two other times when David is now being chased by Saul later in his life. And the king is now Saul. And, you know, it was years. It wasn't just, you know, weeks or months. It was years that David's running in the caves, hiding, and, and his life is just hanging in the balance. And twice, Saul is delivered right into his hands, where Saul is right there. And all David has to do is just put a sword through his, through his heart. And his, his men just say, come on, David. This, I mean, this is the guy chasing you. This is the guy trying to kill you. And you have him. God's delivered him right here. Look at that. And twice, David says to his men, says, don't touch him. I can't touch the Lord's anointed. I will wait for God to deliver the kingdom into my hands. I will wait for it because if you try and make even God's word, even though God has promised it, but it must come God's way. It must come in His timing. It must come in the way that God's ordained. And sometimes you have to fight for it and sometimes you have to wait patiently. You have to endure. You have to keep believing. And you've got to um, you know, trust that God's going to bring to pass what He's promised you. Are you with me, church? This is, a, this is a deep word to you, all right? It's a deep word to you tonight. All right, and so in, in 2 Samuel 5, 12, after Saul dies in battle, the, the leaders of Israel begin to come to David. There's an amazing scripture in 2 Samuel 5, 12. It says, so David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel. He had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. And this was uh, maybe, you know, maybe 15, 20 years after you know, David was anointed. And very often, you know, you want, whenever God gives something, you, you don't want to, you know, the devil will always masquerade and try to bring something that's a counterfeit to what God wants to bring you. And very often we'll be tricked by that. But we have to wait for God to bring it in His timing, in His way. And sometimes you have to fight for it and war and believe. But when it comes God's way, Nobody can take it from you. You don't have to manipulate. Reinhardt used to say this. He says, I never want to keep my ministry alive by artificial resuscitation. All right. He said, if God's not in it and he doesn't bring life to it and it doesn't breathe on its own, don't, you don't want to keep anything alive by artificial resuscitation. If it's got the breath of heaven in it, it will live and stand on its own feet. And you don't have to try and manipulate anything. Amen. The Bible talks about that with Jesus himself. It says, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Philippians 2, who being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God. He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, being found in appearance of man. He humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, the death of the cross. Therefore, God has exi highly exalted him, given him the name which is above every name, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. Every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, Jesus himself had to follow this principle. He had to endure to the cross. He had to go through. He had to be, obey himself. He had to obey the Father to the point of death. He had to pour his life out. He had to wait for God to raise him and exalt him to the right hand of the Father and to give him the kingdom. It says he didn't consider robbery to be equal with God, but he still made the decision to humble himself and wait for God's timing. 
wait for God to exalt him. And when he did that, then when God raised him up, now he's king of kings and lord of lords, and he's ruler of all the universe because he followed this principle. Are you with me, church? All right. Now, you know, I just said, I've said it to Lisa and to my staff. I said, you know, we, we're a ministry. We're supported by donations and people that give. I said, I don't want any single penny coming to our ministry that doesn't come from God. I really don't. I remember when Reinhardt had a situation where a lady said, oh, I've got a portfolio and it's got millions of dollars. And she called him and she said, I'm going to give you all the profits of this for the kingdom of God. And it was, it was a wonderful talk. But God gave Reinhardt a dream. And he saw a river and he saw a, a giant hippopotamus and he saw this thing attacking him. And then as this woman was talking about how she was going to give him all these millions of dollars, they did a walk down the property and they came to that same river. And Reinhardt saw that river and he saw exactly, and he remembered the dream and he said to the lady, he said, you can keep everything. I don't want to touch it. God warned me, don't touch it. Are you with me? Amen? Now, we're going to go to one that's, that's, a, that's, that's a very, um, what can I say? It's a very interesting one here. You need to know that what you give to God has heaven's approval. Now, it goes back as far as Cain and Abel. I'll just read you the story because there's this, this one little verse about, it's two, two, three verses here. It says, Genesis chapter 4, verse 2. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep. This is back in the beginning of the scripture. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. The Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Now, what resulted in the story is that Cain killed Abel. It was so grievous to him that God did not respect his offering, that God did not, um, did not like receive his offering. God did not honor his offering. And, you know, when you bring something to the Lord, don't just bring anything and don't just bring it in a wrong way and don't just bring it out of obligation. You need to know that God's going to respect what you give and what you, and what you sow into his kingdom. All right. Um, we were over in the, in the mission field and over in, in Spain, and we came, there was a, there's a, a wonderful uh, American that was there working in Spain, and he shared with me about um, a church that was being planted in Anaheim Hills that's just, you know, down the road here. And um, it, was a, it was a Japanese church. And it was a female pastor that was pioneering this church, and, and she had built a very strong Bible study, and they were now raising funds to get a building and to be able to move in and actually pioneer a Japanese church. And, um, and, this, and, and they were seeking you know, God for resources, and they were praying, and they were sharing the vision. And a very wealthy Japanese businessman came, and um, he was touched by what they were sharing, and he came back to the church, and he handed the lady, he handed this female pastor, he said, he said here's, a che- here's a check for $280,000. She opened up, and she couldn't hardly believe her eyes, a, over a quarter of a million dollars that this one businessman was giving. And when he gave it to her, the Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, give it back. I don't receive it. She's like, Lord, it's, it's $280,000. Well, said, I don't receive it. And she turned around and she gave it back to the businessman and she said, God will not receive what you're giving. You're giving it with, with a wrong heart. Something's wrong. And the man was furious. I mean, he took his check and he stormed out 
and he went away. But two weeks later, he came back to the church. And this time, he was weeping. And this time, he humbled himself. And this time, he pleaded. And he said, will the Lord please accept what I'm giving? And he handed the check back to her. And the Lord said, now you can take it. Because now his heart had changed. You need to know that what you give to God has heaven's approval. Because this is, goes back to the beginning of Genesis, where God accepted one person's gift and did not accept another person's gift. It's, it's one thing to be rejected by man, but it's really another thing to be rejected by God. And we need to examine our hearts that we give to God what God will receive and what He will accept. And will He be pleased? God says God loves a cheerful giver. He loves somebody whose heart's in their giving, somebody who gives with that right spirit. Then, then that will be accepted by heaven. But otherwise, God may reject what you give in, your, in, in, his, you know, in his scheme of things. He's the ultimate judge of everything. So we need to make sure that what we give to God is, is received by Him, that, that it's done in a way that God is, 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 is pleased with. Does that make any sense? Amen. Are you with me, church? You still love me? All right. Um, we're, we're coming into land here, okay? So um, I want to give you some practical guidelines, how you discern the will of God, all right? These, this is the, these are fantastic scriptures. They'll help you so much. Um, I've used them for years, and um, I'm just probably going to close at the end of this point here. Um, number, uh, part a, number A, I want to say is God is the greatest door opener, door closed in the world, so pray for Him to open and close doors for you. So these are some practical guidance. God opens and closes doors. Now, I've taught my girls since they were very, very young. I've said these words. I've said, a closed door is as good as an open door. A closed door is as good as an open door, all right? Because when you acknowledge God and you want God's will and God closes a door, then there's a reason because there's a better door or there's some other door that God wants you because there's no other way He can stop it other than closing the door. Now, if you try and break that door down and just go in any way, whatever, you will do damage. So when God does close doors, it's not because God doesn't love you. It's not because of anything else. It's because there is some other way that God wants you to tackle it, all right? Um, Revelation 3, 7 to 8. The angel, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, and who has, he has the key of David. He who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a, little, have a little strength, you have kept my word, and you've not denied my name. And God's saying, I can set before you an open door. When God spoke that to my daughter, when he said, I have cleared you to march forward into your call. That was the word from heaven. From that moment, the doors began to open, and God opened the door. I mean, until that point, it was like heaven was like brass, and it was like just hitting up against the ceiling. When God gave a word, God says, I will open the door. When God says, you know, and you, you acknowledge him. So now you need to ask God, Lord, close any door in my life that needs to be closed. You have to pray that. You've got to mean it too, all right? <laughs> and if God wants you to close a door that you like open, just, you know, you better just say, God, whatever you want, I'm going to follow it, okay? Um, and so with that, I pray the prayer of Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, and, and I need, you need to learn to do it. 
It says these words, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. So whatever decisions you're facing, you need to just place them on the altar and say, God, open and close these doors. And God, I acknowledge you my way and I ask you to direct them. All right? It's a simple prayer. But I, I, I've, I've prayed this prayer over so many different things. And I've said, Lord, I'll accept what your decision is. I'll accept your verdict. I'll accept what you want. I'm just putting it on the altar before you. You have to make, you, you direct my paths. I'm acknowledging you that your will be done, not mine, on the earth as it is in heaven. All right? And, and then the third part of this equation is, if, is James 1, 5, and 6. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to them. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. And when you, when you, when you have a, a wall and you face something, don't be scared just to ask God in faith, God, I ask you for wisdom. What do I do? Sometimes these are very difficult decisions. In the middle of COVID, the things we're facing, we just need wisdom from heaven. The Bible says you can ask it and God will give it. He promises to give it. You must ask in faith. You must believe what he says, and you must ask him for wisdom. Amen? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this to a close here. I'm just going to share a practical uh, um, um, example of, of all of this as we close here. Um, our organization, uh, we needed a key person, a full-time position, and we needed it um, this week. We needed to be able to hire somebody. And you know, I, I didn't even know where to start. We had exhausted all the people we knew. We put things, I think, on Facebook. We had done all kinds of things. And, and um, so I just said to my wife, I said, well, I, I, I mean, I've got to do something. I said, I'm going to go on Indeed. And she had an Indeed account. And so I put out, um, you know, the position. I put out pretty much some details about it. And, and I'm just saying, God, I, I just need a God person. I don't want a good person. I want a God person. And I acknowledge you, God. I just want you to bring the right person. And so then all the resumes came. Like over 50 resumes came in. And, and I'm going through all of them. And I'm reading through. And I'm setting up interviews. And I'm doing these video interviews. And half the people don't show up. And the other half, I mean, it just was crazy. And then on, the, on about the, uh, one of the first days, I did get a candidate. They were, they were working in, in the L.A. Uh, criminal justice system and down in L.A. And they were driving four hours a day on, the, on traffic. And, and the guy's like, you know, I, I, I would love it. He, was, he had worked at Cal Baptist. He'd done shipping. He had done all kinds of things. It was just like a perfect candidate. And I just, I was so impressed. I said after the first day, I said, that's it. I said, I found the person that we need, need, we need, to, we need to hire. And I, you know, I, I, was just, I was just putting it before God. And I called him up. I said, I want to make an offer to you. And he calls me back and he says, um, I was just given an offer. And I've taken the other offer. I never, I never even got to make him an offer. And I, you could have thought I was just, oh, I was just really disappointed because we didn't get the person. And, and I just, this came to my heart. God, a closed door is as good as an open door. There's a reason you're closing that door because there's somebody else that you have that you've prepared this for. And so as I began to think, I began to contact pastors and began to contact leaders and say, you know, do you know anybody that, 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 that has a heart for God, a heart for ministry, but is also competent and gifted? And, and, um, and I felt led to call somebody who had previously held that position, and, and they were part of another church in the, in the Inland Empire. And, I, and, um, and he was like, oh, I'm not sure. And, and, and he, 
um, you know, didn't give me the answer, but then his father, I was speaking to him, he says, well, there's some guy that's in my church, and he's got another job, but, you know, this guy has got a heart for ministry, and you know what, and I just saw God begin to weave and begin to orchestrate and all the different pieces of the puzzle, and then God began to work in that person's life, and he began to orchestrate there, and as of yesterday, we hired the person full-time to, to take the position, and I, and I just saw so many of these principles, just asking God for wisdom, asking, who do I contact? Who do I, I go through the tra- traditional channels, and I still went through, and I still did the interviews, and I still did all of that, but at the end of the day, I'm trying to listen to the Holy Spirit, what's your will, God? I want a God person. I don't want just a good person. I want to hear your voice, and I want to know that, that heaven approves of what I'm doing. I want the person that God's prepared. And this applies to every decision in our lives, that we must know that heaven approves of it. And I'd say the greatest way that we can participate in what God's doing is that, you know, Find out what God's doing. You know, Pastor Jim talks about the food ministry, and, you know, he was out there in the lines, and he was handing out groceries to people, and, and um, you know, he said, Lord, I don't know why I'm doing this. He said, you know, these people don't even come to the rock. They're, they just come to get food, and they don't even come to the rock. And the Holy Spirit spoke to Pastor Jim and said, yeah, because you, you help them and because you feed them, the Lord said, I come to the rock. He said, I, I'm the one who comes, and because you feed them, I come to the rock. Amen? And sometimes we have one objective in mind, but God's got a completely different objective in mind. And if we just link in, you know, if you sow into world missions, you are participating in what God wants. God wants it. And he's, he, he has a heart for the Great Commission. He's a heart for people, heart for the poor, heart for, you know, uh, all of the things. And if you want to know that you're doing something that, 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 that works in the kingdom, do, join yourself to something that God's already involved in. That's just a great way to, just a great principle. So with that, did any of you get something out of tonight? Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.